Hello, and welcome to episode 40 of the Dial-Up Movie Club. I'm your host, Matthew, and uh, nobody's with me this week. It's just me. Uh, supposed to record tonight, but a lot of stuff went wrong, and however we figure out how to do the podcast going from here, going to figure it out. I'm not going to let this thing die. So, yeah, I know, a, a bummer of a start, but hey, I didn't want to leave you guys hanging, I wanted to get something out to you guys, so here it is. Welcome to me ranking the MCU movies. This is something I kind of just want to put out there, Doctor Strange is coming up quick, so I'm a big Marvel nerd, I know a lot of listeners are too, so I thought it might be fun to just do some rapid-fire reviews of the series of film that uh, I really like. So, yeah, my criteria is basically, uh, do I like the movie, uh, the characters, the world, you know, directing, standard movie review stuff. I'm just going to start at the bottom and work my way up. I'm going to have more to say about other movies than uh, others. You know, once you get to the middle-ish, I'm pretty indifferent. So, oh, also it's TV shows too. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out for that. Only the Disney Plus stuff, because I'm not sure if the Netflix stuff is completely canon yet. It looks like it's going to become canon, so no Daredevil yet. And honestly, I haven't watched any of the Netflix stuff, so, um, yeah. Let's go. Number 32 is the Eternals. What a dumpster fire. Almost a three-hour movie does not earn its runtime. I know this is not an original thought, but this is a thought I've had many a times, that this movie would make an actually really, at least decent, Disney Plus series. If it was an anthology, each one following a different character, that would be fun. But as it stands now, this thing is too long, has too many characters, you don't get enough time to really know any of them, none of them really have personality, and the one that does, that I actually liked, I don't even remember his name, he was the, um, he's the guy's superpowers to make big punchy fists, um, but he, uh, dies, so, oh yeah, by the way, I'm gonna spoil all these, so, <laughs> sorry, uh, but Punchy Dude dies, and yeah, I mean, it looks nice at times, but from such a prestigious director like Chloe Zhao, I expected better than this, and yeah, when people say it doesn't deserve to be the first rotten MCU movie, it does, it does, it totally does, it doesn't, it's not interesting, it does way too much but also not enough at the same time it's super weirdly put together so yeah the eternals bottom number 30 thor or not sorry 31 thor the dark world this one is um it's not really like bad it's just nothing you know like what do you really like about it? Nothing. What do you really dislike about it? Nothing. You just leave it feeling nothing. That It leaves you with nothing. Um, good performances, I guess. Loki is easily the highlight of the movie. Every scene Tom Hiddleston is in, he's just chewing up scenery. But besides that, the villain's boring. The plot devices are boring. Like, the action sequence at the end with the portals is pretty cool, but the build-up to it is just weird. They do weird choices with characters like Eric Selvig. And these first two Thor movies are just not it, man. Number 30 now is Spider-Man Far From Home. Ugh. I think this movie... I, I could do a whole episode on why I don't like this movie. But I want to start by saying... It doesn't understand Spider-Man in the least bit. And I know there's this excuse going around now that, oh, well, now that No Way Home is out, Spider-Man's actually 
a rounded character. This is the first Spider-Man movie. But no, it it's really not. Like, the first Spider-Man movie was Captain America's Civil War. And he feels like Spider-Man in that movie. He feels like Spider-Man in Homecoming. But in this movie, it doesn't feel like Spider-Man. He is constantly dodging responsibility and shoving... Oh my gosh, it stresses me out. Tony Stark gives... Peter these glasses, okay? He doesn't give them to Rhodey, his buddy, who is a military man, who is his best friend, who is War Machine. He doesn't give them to Steve. Yes, I know Steve is dead or whatever at the end of Endgame, but Tony didn't know that. Steve would have been a great choice to give these to. Pepper is now Rescue in the MCU, and his wife? Uh, Give them to her? Give them to any of the Avengers. Give them to... Vision, I, well, Vision was dead, so sorry, no Vision. Um, but yeah, Peter is such a strange choice to get these glasses. And what does Peter do? Gives them to a guy he met just that day, or the day before, not very long. And of course, guy turns out to be evil. It just feels so out of character for everyone in this movie. And don't get me started with all the high school stuff. Because those characters... They don't have anything to do, and yet they're forced into nearly every scene. The scene on the bus and the scene leading up to the bus where there's this made-up conflict about Peter being found naked, I guess, with a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and then this guy tries to blackmail him so he can get with MJ. It's just so weird. It's so out of place. And it's it's not fun to watch. So, yeah... Um, Spider-Man, Far From Home. Oh, and why is it above the other two? It's got Mysterio, and I think Mysterio is interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, I like Mysterio. And Jake Gyllenhaal does a great performance in that. So yeah, Spider-Man, Far From Home. Uh, number 29 is What If... The series What If. I don't think this series is bad per se. I don't think it's... It's difficult. That's why it's towards the bottom is because there's really a weird spot to put it. I could rank each episode individually, but that would just... Like, how do you compare a 20-minute episode, an animated cartoon, to a two-and-a-half-hour movie? So I'm just going to rank the whole show here and... It's a mixed bag. Some episodes are really, really good. I love the Infinity Ultron episode. And some episodes are really, really bad. For some reason, I'm only thinking of Party Thor as a bad one. And yeah, that was that was a bad one. Man, there there was a like legitimately awful episode. Zombies was okay. Um Captain Carter was the definition of meh. I've n- the Doctor Strange one was pretty good. The one where uh, Hank Pym is trying to kill all the Avengers. That one's bad. Like, it's it's like kind of okay, but it's weird. Um, yeah, I can't think of many more. The Killmonger one is eh. That one's weird. Yeah, so... Yeah, what if? It's hard to put it, a number on it, so I'm just doing it there. Uh, 28, Thor, the first one. This movie is one I used to very much dislike. I thought it was super boring, and then I rewatched it recently. And it's not terrible. Like, it used to be, like, at the bottom, but now it's a little up. So that's good, but it's... It's interesting looking at the character of Thor and how he started and where he's at now and just see how much better they've gotten with him. That going back to this movie is kind of painful because it's very it's very Shakespearean and you can I've seen interviews and they were very much going for a Shakespearean feel, so it's not even a diss at the filmmakers for it. It's just very slow, it's very melodic. He's on Earth most of the time just being a guy. Um, and Loki honestly isn't even that good in it, in my opinion. He's just kind of meh. He's not a great villain in it, so. And the dyed eyebrows, gross, gross. Chris Hemsworth, do better. Yeah. 27, 
Ant-Man. This is another one that just feels pretty formulaic. I do not like Peyton Reed as a director. I'm sure he's a great guy. I don't know who He might be an awful guy. I don't know him. But as a director, I don't like Peyton Reed. I don't like what he's done with the Ant-Man franchise. And it hurts knowing that Edgar Wright was going to do Ant-Man. And that I know Edgar Wright the same way I know Sam Raimi would have brought his style. And Sam Raimi's about to bring his style, baby. But, yeah, it's... It kind of stings. Knowing the Ant-Man we could have gotten, and then seeing this. It's not bad, but it's just so, man, formulaic. It's just nothing. So, yeah, but Paul Rudd is great. And I, I honestly like all the actors. Evangeline Lilly, um... Man, what, Michael Douglas? Yes, um, all great actors, Luis is great, but yeah, I'm glad when they're in other movies, I think they do great, but in Ant-Man movies, they're just very bland, so the first Ant-Man, number 27. Number 26, we have the Incredible Hulk, the black sheep of the MCU, and I say that very literally, because it feels like no other MCU movie, which... You think, but Matthew, you were just complaining how Ant-Man feels so samesy and safe. Hulk feels, and it was, made by a different studio. It was made by Universal, not Disney. And I know, I know, but uh, Iron Man was made by Paramount, and that's not down here. But it's interesting seeing this take on the Hulk, and it's kind of... Alluding to it could be a sequel to the Ang Lee Hulk, or it's an original Hulk, but it's also the MCU Hulk, because Edward Norton is the Hulk in this movie, not, um, uh, man, what's his name? I'm blanking on his name, Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, it's no longer Mark Ruffalo in this movie, it's Edward Norton, the Hulk design is awesome, the action scenes are awesome, but they're very few and far between, And that's what kind of makes this movie suffer a lot. It's a lot of talking. And I do enjoy the scenes of Bruce Banner trying to find a cure for the Hulk. And just nothing is working. I do like those scenes. And I love the scene at the college with the military versus the Hulk. So this movie has some really good bright spots. But ultimately it just doesn't feel like it belongs with the rest. It's not on Disney+. Plus. It's... It's very weird, so, yeah. 25, Black Widow. Man, this movie would have been pretty good if it was made, like, 12... Not 12 years. Like, I don't know, 8, 10 years earlier? Where it stands now, Black Widow was too little too late. We already knew she was dead after Endgame, so this movie lacks stakes. We know Natasha's surviving the story because it takes place before Endgame, so it has to latch you on to other characters. That being said, I think characters like Yelena and the Red Guardian are interesting, but they're not really given anything to do. Um, Also, the villains... Some of the worst MCU villains, Taskmaster. It was almost insulting watching what they did to Taskmaster. They don't make the character intimidating. They try to connect it in with Natasha's backstory, but they just kind of flop at it. It was super disappointing. And there are some cool scenes with Taskmaster, but Taskmaster isn't a one-and-done villain, you know? It's not like, say... I don't know, Malekith, where you do a story with Malekith and then it's over. No, Taskmaster should be a looming threat for the Avengers. And they just didn't do that. The ending is awful. I don't need to tell you this. That ending scene in the Red Room aircraft carrier thing, it's awful. It's awful. But, you know, at the end of the day, I am happy this movie exists. I was saying since the first Avengers movie came out that we needed a Black Widow movie, and I really wanted it to be a Black Widow-Hawkeye team-up where we learn about um, Budapest. But we didn't get that, but I am happy that Black Widow has a movie. Um, And it's just too little too late. I guess that's really the only way I can word it. 24. Iron Man 2. 
This movie is also a super mixed bag, where there's some parts of it I really love. I love War Machine. I love the Mark, whatever, whatever suit Iron Man's wearing in this movie is great. Robert Downey Jr., as always, gives a phenomenal performance in this movie. And it's a lot of fun, but there's also, and Justin Hammer, how could I forget um, best MCU villain, Justin Hammer, but there's also a lot of parts of it that just falter way too hard, it's a super messy movie, and a lot of it is just setting up the Avengers and other movies, and doesn't feel like its own story. Now, production on this movie was super rushed, and the, the first Iron Man movie production was so rushed they didn't even have a script most of the time. So this movie had about half the time that that movie had to bake. And you feel it. It feels very shoddily put together. And the action scenes are fun, but this story suffers for it. So yeah, at the end of the day, it is number 24. Number 25, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Now, this movie, I have a lot of the same complaints that I said with Ant-Man, so I'm not going to repeat myself, but, you know, just bland, formulaic. It's it's the movie that people point to when they say that Marvel movies are what they are. And a lot of times I disagree, but when looking at something like this, it's kind of true. Um, the Wasp in this movie, great introduction to that character. Like, as a superhero, obviously she was in the first one, but not as the Wasp. So, yeah, I loved seeing the Wasp in action, uh, finally. Can't believe it took that long to get one of the core Avengers in an actual movie. But, yeah, um, I honestly, this is one of those ones I don't have a ton to say on. The villains are okay. Lawrence Fishburne feels wasted. Like, we get an actor as awesome as Lawrence Fishburne in the MCU, and what do they do with him? Nothing. He's just kind of a bad guy, kind of. And Ghost is cool. I hope they bring her back. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just a pretty nothing. Uh, Number 22, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Ooh, man, this one was hard to finish. It was hard to get through. Not that it was bad, it was just boring (laughs) it's like it's the nicest way I can put it it just was boring and I thought there was a lot of potential for this Bucky and Sam have fun chemistry in movies like Civil War um Infinity War Endgame they they are a fun coupling and it's fun to see them deal with a loss of Captain America Steve Rogers who was kind of their thread together So, it was super interesting to see how a world without Captain America handles a new Captain America. But what do they do? They just kind of fumble around with this terrorist organization, and Zemo shows up for a bit, and then the Wakandans show up for a bit, and it's just a whole lot of meddling, and... Not a ton happens until the last episode. We finally get that Captain America reveal with Sam Wilson. And I love that suit. And I'm so happy they it looks ripped straight from the comics. And I hope they keep it. But part of me thinks they definitely won't because they need to sell toys. And guess what? They already sold toys of this costume. So move on to the next one. But hey. I, at the end of the day, was it worth it? Sure. Um, But I do want to talk about my favorite part of the show, which was U.S. Agent. Now, this is a character I'm dying to see in more stuff. First of all, played by Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son, one of my favorite actors. Um, And it's the only character in this show that feels like there is character to it. It's a guy who is put into the mantle of Captain America and... Really, it's a, it shows the pressure of a mantle like that can do to a guy. And you show it shows him break and break and bend and break again. And at the end of the day, he does come around. And I do wish he had more repercussions for his actions at the end of the show. But he is an interesting character. And I am excited to see him in more stuff as U.S. agent. So, yeah. Um, 21. Captain Marvel. 
this one is another one like Thor that used to be at the bottom until I rewatched it. And I do like quite a bit of it. I think the start is slow. The second act is really good. And then the third act kind of flops again. But that second half where it's like Nick Fury and Carol Danvers just doing stuff. I don't even remember what they do, but I really like the chemistry Samuel L. Jackson and Brie Larson have. And, yeah, you can complain, oh, she's a Mary Sue, blah, 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 blah. But Captain Marvel, I like characters that feel powerful, and she feels powerful. Like, even if the ending, if the last third doesn't have stakes, because what are they going to do? She's Captain Marvel. I don't really care. It's fun to watch her fly through space and blow things up. And, yeah. There's also a scene in it where she's falling from space. And her eyes light up and glow as she opens her eyes. Never got turned into a meme format, and I'm shocked by it. it I laughed in theaters because it was so abrupt and sudden. It felt like a meme format, so I'm kind of sad it didn't. Number 20, Hawkeye. Man, when this show was coming out originally, I was so excited because people were singing its praises in the streets the new daredevil the new daredevil better than daredevil and i'm learning that people just do that for any comic book shows these days i'm hearing it a lot for peacemaker right now daredevil better than daredevil but uh, hawkeye was disappointing man clint barton Hey club members, it's Matthew. Now, as many of you know, I'm getting married next year, and I want to fit into a tux and most of all look good in it for those photos. So I've been having to prioritize my own health a lot more, eating healthier, getting rid of sodas, and walking more. And one of the biggest helps for me has been Liquid IV. Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being And the Hydration Multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. I love how it makes me feel after a workout. This stuff refreshes you. I love... All the flavors, but let me tell you two of my favorites. One, the new strawberry lemonade flavor. Fantastic. And if you're feeling a little more classic, I go with the pina colada. One stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. There are 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting, which contain five essential vitamins. B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C, with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. Made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. Liquid IV partners with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50-plus countries around the world. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code DIALUP at checkout. That's 20% off at anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code DIALUP at liquidiv.com. It is kind of a Black Widow situation now I'm thinking about it because Clint Barton is a character that is interesting and I like Jeremy Renner's portrayal of him, but he just never really gets the spotlight. I would say Avengers Age of Ultron is the closest we ever get to a Hawkeye movie, I guess, because he's interesting in that. And Avengers Endgame does something totally different with him, so that's out, but yeah. Um, And this movie, or the show doesn't really feel like it cares about Clint. It's really trying to set up Kate Bishop. And that's not a bad thing. I just came for Hawkeye. <laughs> you know, it's it's not that I don't like Kate, and I think uh, Haley Steinfeld is a phenomenal actress. Uh, but 
it just doesn't. The last thing this show wants to do is Hawkeye stuff. It features Kate a lot. Eventually they bring in Yelena, and that's a big thing. And then they had the balls to bring in Kingpin and make him the big bad of the whole show. And it feels so forced at times where Yelena shows up and it feels like it's there so it gets trending on Twitter. And the same for Kingpin, even more so. Kingpin feels very washed down from his Daredevil counterpart. It's weird. It shouldn't be called Hawkeye. If it was called Kate Bishop, and I know Kate Bishop's called Hawkeye in the comics, but... Hawkeyes, maybe? Hawkeyes? There's two of them? Hawkeye, it it just made me think it was going to be about Clint, and it's based off of a phenomenal Hawkeye run, and still it doesn't take its source material and do anything with it. It feels very wasted. But yeah. Speaking of Avengers Age of Ultron, here we are at number 19, Avengers Age of Ultron. This movie is one I really liked when it came out, and... Um, since it's kind of worn on me, it feels the pacing, it feels a little muddled, the story's a bit clunky, uh, Ultron, as a character, phenomenal design in the first five minutes, when he's that, like, tattered robot, it looks awesome, but then they give him that new, yucky, overly designed trash, He needs that robotic smile, that comic book Ultron look in this movie. Go up like eight spots at least. Uh, But uh, James Spader, I believe it is, does phenomenal voice work for the character. Everyone gives a good performance in this movie, but it does feel kind of a lot the same from the first Avengers movie where it's just, here's this army, we gotta fight this army, big thing in the sky... Let's fight the army, and yeah, it's a lot of nothing. It introduces uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, Waste Quicksilver, uh, Vision too. Vision was a great addition in this movie, I thought. With lifting up Mjolnir, very impressive. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's just uh, meh. It's pretty good. And next up, we have Captain America the First Avenger. Yeah, 18th. If you're keeping score. Uh, Yeah, this movie, super good first act. I love the scenes of Steve pre-Super Soldier Serum. Having those talks with the scientists about what it means that he's getting this serum and what it's going to do to the world. And if he's ready for it. Not what it's going to do for the world necessarily, but what it's going to do to him. It amplifies all his traits. And Steve is not a soldier he is a good man and i think that's a phenomenal message then it gets into the war stuff and it gets kind of muddled it feels like it wants to rush through to the end almost the second act feels very rushed and then the third act doesn't leave enough impact to leave you with anything and then by the time that's over you've kind of forgotten about the first act and it leaves you with kind of just a, like a bad taste in your mouth so yeah, it it was such a promising first act, and then just slowly gets worse and worse and worse until it's just meh. So, first act is phenomenal, though. Which got up this high. 17. WandaVision. Why WandaVision? Yes. WandaVision is... Um, it's, it's mixed bag a bit. <laughs> I feel like I'm saying that a lot, but a lot of these things are, and especially with TV shows, episodes are going to be better and worse than other. This movie, I keep saying movies, I'm used to this being a movie thing. Um, but WandaVision, very slow start. It tries to throw in some hints of mystery, but it's just meh, and then gets to the middle. And the middle few episodes of WandaVision will be some of the peak. MCU cultural phenomenonness, if that's a word that'll ever happen. I remember every week, more than any of the other Disney Plus shows, I was tuned in to see what was going to happen next. And then I would go straight to Twitter, straight to anything that I could talk about it with people because it was dropping hints at things. It was constantly moving. And like the stories were fun too when it was just being a sitcom. 
and then it brought in Quicksilver from the X-Men movies, and it got so much more better, and then at the end, it just drops all of it. I've never seen a show drop the ball this hard as the ending, and I know, COVID restrictions, apparently there was going to be another episode that had to be cut that would have wrapped things up much nicer, but man, man, what a waste, what a painful waste, I might add for this show to go out on and yeah so first episodes are a bit slow like they're fine the middle episodes are phenomenal and then the end is just garbage and it really sucks it pains me to think about wandavision 16 oh boy it's gonna be an unpopular opinion i feel uh guardians of the galaxy is pretty good it's good it's not great come on the characters for introducing these characters, I do have to give a hand to James Gunn and everyone involved because even me, big comic book nerd, you ask me who Star Lord, Groot, Gamora, Drax, Rocket are, I don't know. But prior to this movie, but um, you ask me now, and yeah, everyone knows Groot. Everyone's got a baby Groot dancing on their kitchen cabinet, you know. So. Yeah, Gardens of the Galaxy is good. I don't have a lot to say about it, honestly. It's just good. <laughs> I don't... I think it's different. It's good. It shows James Gunn's style. Uh, it didn't leave me with much, I guess. I don't really have many problems with it. It's a very middle movie for me. It just kind of left me content. I'm happy I watched it, so... Yeah. Fifteen, another one a lot of people have in their, like, top three. Captain America the Winter Soldier. I'm gonna be real. The street-level MCU stuff is my least favorite. I think the more powerful the characters, the more I care. I guess that's just kind of guy I am. I like the, the, the bigger the battle, the more fun it is. So Captain America movies do tend to get a little lower for me because not that Steve is an interesting character and he definitely is in this movie, but they can't do as much with him. But yeah, elevator fight scenes, amazing. It feels very much like a Bourne movie to me. It's very spy thriller-ish, which is interesting for the MCU and it's also the first MCU movie the Russo brothers directed. So yeah, this one is another one I don't have a ton to say on. Bucky's cool, introduction to Falcon is cool, Black Widow's cool, yeah, it's it's good, <laughs> I just, it doesn't really leave me with anything, I, I didn't find profound, I guess. Number 14, and a very underrated one in my opinion, Iron Man 3, this movie is the definition of a fun MCU movie, Shane Black is directing, he this is one of those MCU movies that I, th I think contradicts that statement that they're all the same. It feels very much like a Shane Black movie. It feels very... The comedy is very witty. It's very fun. It's very um, orange, <laughs> green, whatever. I'm colorblind, but there's definitely a hue to this movie. It does not have that signature Marvel gray color grading. It feels like it's actually color graded by a studio. Uh, my only big gripe is the Mandarin twist, honestly. It's been years, I'm still not over it. It feels very wasted. Mandarin is a character that should have been imposing a big finale to Iron Man's trilogy. And it does feel like a letdown in that regard of the villains. But, yeah, Robert Downey Jr., great performance. I love me some Iron Patriot, honestly, I kind of sad he's gone i get why he's gone but you know love iron patriot it's all good it's a very good movie very underrated given our watch i think you'll like it more i think the what i found is people that watched it when it first came out never again tend to not like it but people who have watched it again later and have cooled off on it they tend to like it upon a rewatch number 13 dr strange Doctor Strange is really good. I think this character is interesting. I like his 
his origin story in this movie, and it does feel a lot like the original Iron Man, but with magic instead of technology. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, because, hey, the original Iron Man is on this list yet, so you know it's higher up. Um, the the visual effects, amazing. Introduced the best character in the MCU, which is Wong. <laughs> is, is this a... F- oh, no, I guess what if. I was going to say, is this the first time Wong has showed up? But no. Um... And, yeah, the visual effects amazing. I get some of the complaints about, like, Tilda Swinton whitewashing, I guess. I'm not really big into that, but, yeah, I, I kind of get that one. If it's, like, a ancient Chinese Eastern Asian thing you're going for, maybe don't cast a white woman to play the part. But, I mean, I'm not going to get too big into that, but... Yeah, and Benedict Cumberbatch, perfect casting as Doctor Strange. I guess I don't talk enough about the casting, but the MCU, if it nails one thing, it's the casting. Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man. Uh, Chris Evans as Captain America. Tom Holland, Spider-Man. All of the casting is amazing. Benedict Cumberbatch, another, another example of great casting. Yeah, it's a really, really fun movie. Number 12, Loki, my highest rated show and my favorite Disney Plus show, which is obvious because it's up here. It it felt fun. Honestly, it felt really consistent. There was never an episode that felt like it was so much better than the others. No episode felt like it was really lacking. Every episode just felt really good. <laughs> I I never had complaints with the show. Tom Hiddleston I know Loki kind of has that syndrome of he's alive, he's dead, he's alive, he's dead. And I'm glad we get to see more of him, honestly. I don't care if they keep faking his death. I want more Loki. I'm very excited for season two. And I, if I had to name gripes, a lot of it does come from the character of Sylvie and what she brings and the whole, you know self cessed I guess where it's two Lokis making out but that's kind of weird and it's kind of weird romance to pitch to general audiences but I guess hey it's North Norse mythology worse things have happened yeah Loki very very good show very excited for season 2 number 11 Black Panther This is another one. This is probably the most dramatic shift in my rating. Because Black Panther used to be at the bottom. I did not like the story of this movie. I thought it was very... Um... Clunky. I didn't think it explained nearly enough. I'm trying to remember my complaints. I literally wrote a big paper about all my flaws with this movie. And I watched it again recently. I rewatched the entire MCU timeline with Kim and something just clicked I ended up really liking it this time around I think um I don't think it has anything to do with Chadwick Boseman passing and like obviously that is awful and and uh but I don't think that really affected it because my biggest problem in the movie is still the Black Panther himself, it kind of has that Hawkeye syndrome where the movie feels like it doesn't want to be about T'Challa. It feels very much like it's trying to be about Killmonger all the time. And it's kind of annoying when T'Challa was such a strong character in Captain America Civil War. And this feels like it honestly backpedals for him. And that comes, that is an ode to the Russo brothers. And everything I've talked about with them, their color grading is awful. But hey, they understand the characters. When they introduce, I'll talk about it more later, but when they introduce Black Panther and Spider-Man, and then those two characters got their own movies, it honestly felt like backpedaling for the characters because the Russo brothers just did it so good. So... I'm complaining a bit too much, so I want to say some good things. Black Panther, phenomenal cinematography. The soundtrack is amazing, if not wasted. Some of the CGI effects, yes, shoddy. But I do like the story. And yes, it is kind of the kill Eric Killmonger show. 
But hey, he's an interesting character. He's not like Heath Ledger Joker, but I don't mind watching him. So, yeah, Black Panther is pretty good. Top 10 time, baby. Top 10 MCU movies. Let's go. Number 10, Avengers Endgame. Yeah, it's not number one. Sorry, guys. Avengers Endgame is... It was an experience more than it was a movie. It's hard to rank it amongst the rest because I really do think it hardly qualifies as a movie more than it does an experience. Like, um, watching this in a theater, packed theater, crowd, it was phenomenal. One of the best experiences of my entire life, honestly. But watching it again, you feel that three hours, man. <laughs> the first two hours of this movie, very slow. And yes, there's some fun character stuff, but very slow. And But that last hour is so good that I go back to watch it again and again and again. And I tell you, seeing Steve lift that hammer never gets old. And I'll never forget that that uh i am iron man yes this movie was a great send off to the original avengers and it does a little bit of setting up that you like now that the uh disney plus shows are something to come out you see it very apparently what it's setting up like uh the hawkeye show and the wandavision it it feels very apparent <laughs> a lot of it is just here's the next thing that's coming out but yeah um, yeah, Avengers Endgame, phenomenal, phenomenal experience, not as good on a rewatch though, don't rewatch it, <laughs> that's why it's at number 10, that does hold it back, number 9, the most recent MCU movie, Spider-Man No Way Home, man, this movie, oh, it tugs at your heartstrings, man, and so, with that, they bring back all the villains, all the Spider-Men of the past. Your Andrew Garfields, your Tobey Maguire's, Alfred Molina, Jamie Foxx, Willem Dafoe, uh, Christian... Chris, Sandman is <laughs> back. Everybody's back, Lizard. And it feels really good. Like, watching it is super fun, especially that first time. Like, Avengers Endgame, it felt like an event. I cheered when Matt Murdock showed up. I cheered when Spider-Man showed up. <laughs> when Spider-Man, I should say. When uh, Andrew Garfield showed up and Tobey Maguire. And Willem Dafoe brings it <laughs> really hard. And that's where my little issues in the movie come in. Because you have all these star-studded cast. You have Willem Dafoe acting legitimate circles around the supporting cast. Aunt May dies in this movie. Spoilers alert. And it's supposed to feel like this big, sad moment. It would if she felt like she wanted to be there. Marissa Tomei, every scene she's in, feels like she doesn't want to be there. It feels like she's just over this role. It's just over this character. And that's my problem. You get an actor like Willem Dafoe and Andrew Garfield who are just two phenomenal actors and you put them with just meh. Like like uh, Ned, meh. Zendaya, MJ I should say, meh. Everything. They're just, it's too good almost. <laughs> like, And that sounds like a weird complaint that actors are too good, but it really shines light on how poor the Spider-Man supporting cast is in the MCU. Yeah, that's a lot of my problem with But hey, we got Spider-Man's back, baby. And that last scene, phenomenal. And the Dr. Octopus highway scene, phenomenal. I legit, I was gripping my chair in the theater. I was so hyped. I was like, holy crap, it's him. <laughs> like, it, and it never got old. I've seen the movie two or three times now. And I just, gosh, every time I see that Doc Ock, uh, arm come up I'm just gripped by it man so 
yeah, it's it's really good. I am looking forward to what it sets up. I really hope that it sets up something good for Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Uh, number eight, the original Avengers. Okay, this movie, I want to get some flaws out of the way. Josh Whedon, bad guy. Not going to praise him. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm not going to praise him. I literally am not. I'm, but I am going to say, his lighting atrocious it looks like it is a tv movie every scene so flatly lit but that's really my only gripe with this movie i love the coming together of the avengers the first this movie phenomenal pacing this movie goes by so fast it's an over two hour movie but it honestly flies by the first act doesn't feel like a first act because it is just here's Bruce Banner, here's Black Widow, here's Iron Man, here's Captain America, and it's just bringing them all together. And then once they're together, the just instant bouncing off each other these actors have phenomenal. I love it. I really don't have any gripes with it, man. And that final battle, it's amazing, and that's what makes Age of Ultron kind of feel flat is that it kind of repeats too much. And we have this movie here that is the perfect blueprint for it. So yeah, uh, Tom Hiddleston too. Great actor. Chewing up scenery. Having a blast. Love it. So man, yeah, Avengers, really good. Really good. This is the point, like, (laughs) it's weird. This is like one of my favorite franchises, but gets to like number eight that I like have no gripes with any of the movies. So yeah. Uh, number seven, another recent one, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Man, I did not expect to love this movie. I did not even expect to really like it. I just kind of went out of Marvel fanboy obligation. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, I really didn't know much of anything about Shang-Chi going into it. But, you know, it's Marvel. It's going to be decent serviceable at best but i was blown away by this i really loved the fight scenes in this the chemistry similu has with the castmates like aquafina it redeems the mandarin mandarin feels like an actual villain now and it's fun the fight scene i like i keep going back to it it's so fun the fights in the middle act does get a bit slow and it feels long but I mean, man, it's worth it, man. You get the the fun little dog dude with wings, Morris or something. And the ending scene, it gets a little much with the dragon. But hey, I am not complaining. I'm not complaining. It does. It's a fun movie. I had fun watching it. And I would watch it again. I have it on Blu-ray. I should watch it again soon. Uh, number six. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. This is another one I love. This movie is so good. The soundtrack, best soundtrack of any movie ever. Not the score, the soundtrack, I should say. The licensed music. The compilation of songs in this movie, amazing. The opening scene of Baby Groot dancing to Mr. Blue Sky, unmatched in cinema. Kurt Russell's in it. What else more do I have to say? I do have more to say. Kurt Russell is great, though. And he plays fantastic ego. Um, Characters, sometimes I don't like the fact that they split up characters. I will say, like, you know, uh, Rocket, Yondu, and Groot kind of a side mission. And uh, Drax isn't with the group a whole lot. Like, they're really tight together at the beginning and the end of the movie. But second act, they all kind of split up. But I'm not really complaining because... Even though they're not all together all the time, I enjoy these characters at this point. This movie, Gardens of the Galaxy, the first one, I was just kind of meh on them. But this movie really sold me on the Guardians. I'm really happy I stuck around with these movies. So yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Number 5, Spider-Man Homecoming. Ooh-wee. I really like this movie, man. Um, I'm going to start with the villain again. Because Marvel MCU movies have a horrible track record with villains. But Michael Keaton as the Vulture? One of, if not their best villain, honestly. 
I, he is such an imposing presence, and his design is awesome. It was a perfect way to modernize the vulture and make him feel like an actual threat rather than this old bald dude in a green bird costume. It's great. It's a great evolution of the character, and I, I do appreciate it for that. Like I, I said, they backpedaled a bit, and I do think they backpedaled a bit from Civil War. But Civil War, he was really just a cameo borderline a cameo he plays part in like two scenes but in this movie it's fun to see him develop it's fun to see peter parker interact with the world around him i love the scenes of just spider-man being spider-man i love that he has problems that made me really hopeful for this version of spider-man until far from home kind of went and flushed it all down the drain his interactions with iron man are fun People complain, oh, he's just Iron Boy Jr., he just depends on Iron Man too much. But, is this not what you wanted? Like, we wanted so much to get Spider-Man in these movies so he can interact with other characters. Iron Man, honestly, isn't even in the movie that much. People overhype how much Iron Man's in it, but no. It does feel like a Spider-Man story, and I'm glad that it does. And... I want Spider-Man in this universe to see him interact with these heroes. And seeing him interact with Iron Man, I'm not going to complain. Same thing with Doctor Strange in No Way Home. Um, And Far From Home kind of lacks that. I guess he hangs out with Nick Fury a bit, but besides that, meh. But yeah, Homecoming is great. And number four, Captain America Civil War. That rhymed a bit. Uh, yeah, Captain America Civil War is great, man. I love it. It's so good. Um, Captain America movies, like I said, not always my favorite. But this doesn't feel like a Captain America movie all the time, which sometimes I complain about. But tonight, I'm feeling generous. It's a really good movie. It feels like Avengers 2.5, where it's them all fighting against each other, and you get to see each side and by the end you kind of understand each side the ending scene with tony versus cap and bucky is like awesome yet heartbreaking which is a perfect tone for the movie he introduces t'challa and peter parker two fantastic introductions t'challa in this movie he's the best he is in the mcu and that's kind of (laughs) sad If I'm being honest. But uh, I'm not going to obviously hold it against this movie. Because it portrays Black Panther perfectly. He feels like an imposing force. It's kind of like Batman. You know where like you see Black Panther. And you're like well I'm done. (laughs) You know. It doesn't really feel like that in future movies. But in Spider-Man he's super fun. It was super cool to see him get introduced in the franchise like this. So yeah, Captain America Civil War, I don't really have any complaints. Maybe it could focus on Captain America a bit more, but like, I don't want it to have eternal syndrome. <laughs> so yeah, it handles these this many characters much better than Eternals. But you know, to this movie's credit, it had multiple, multiple franchises setting up these characters before this one. Eternals had um nothing, <laughs> so yeah. Top three, baby, top three, bronze medal, what's it gonna go to, what's it gonna go to? Thor Ragnarok. Man, this movie, most fun movie in the MCU. It is just so funny, it is a great redemption of Thor's character. Honestly, going from the least interesting dude in the Marvel Universe to the most interesting? Insane. It perfectly encapsulates the cosmic weirdness of marvel that it has to offer that most movies try to take seriously but this one leans into the weirdness of it jeff goldblum is in it he's great tom hilston great performance chris hemsworth actually gives the first good performance and that it goes from good to great you know in the mcu and that's no dig at chris hemsworth he just wasn't given anything for the past however many movies he was in he was just the big buff guy thor i guess so this movie is actually funny he has great chemistry with his co-stars co-leads 
Bruce Banner and Hulk are great. Hela is a fun villain. Loki is phenomenal. Valkyrie is a fun addition. My only complaint would be the scenes with like Hela back on Asgard. When those come on, I do feel like, come on, let's get back to the Thor stuff. And that's not really even a diss at Hela. It's more so just a testament to how good that Thor stuff is. So, yeah. Hey, man, I'm Korg. Going lead around here. It's a great movie. Yeah, Thor Ragnarok. It's great. And a fun lead up to Infinity War. Speaking of fun lead ups to Infinity War, we have number two, which is Iron Man. The original, the first movie in the MCU, held the title as my favorite for a long time. I think it is perfect introduction. To this cinematic universe. I don't think they could have done it better. Because it feels like it's own story. Yet it leaves room for more. And I think that's what these movies. Have kind of fallen short of recently. A lot of them feel like they're trying to be. Oh here's Doctor Strange. Here's Thor. Here's Iron Man. Here's the Hulk. And try and throw everyone in. So it feels like a big universe. This movie feels very self contained. Yet it could open up to more. And it did. I'm thankful for that. Robert Downey Jr., redemption arc for him, you know, and Iron Man. It's it's interesting watching this movie now and seeing, like, oh, the people of this Earth, they must have seen that flying dude and been, like, cool. And now there's a big purple alien trying to snap half of them to death. <laughs> so it's a, a fun evolution of the franchise as well. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't change anything about this movie, honestly. I think... It's it and it feels like a two thousand superhero movie where it's fun, it's kinda campy, it doesn't take itself too seriously, but like emphasis on fun. The Iron Man sound design too, perfect. The the sounds are iconic the meow pew it, it's it's all iconic now, and for a good reason. It's it's great. So yeah. Iron Man number two number two and number one, my favorite MCU movie. Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. I think this movie is perfect. Every scene in it is perfect. I don't think there will ever be a Marvel movie that gets to this level for me. There's... I, I, I can't even think of a flaw, really. The first scene, I'm honestly super proud because I kind of predicted how it would go bit for bit before the movie started. <laughs> which I don't know if that should be a bad thing towards the movie, but I, not that I think it's formulaic, but I think it is the perfect introduction to Thanos and how I would have done it, where you see him beat who we thought were the two most powerful Avengers, Hulk and Thor, and the Avengers' first villain, Loki. All get beaten, Loki gets killed, you fly down, you get uh, some highlights with Doctor Strange interacting with... Iron Man, uh, Hulk, Bruce Banner, I should say, and Spider-Man. Phenomenal. The Steve Rogers beard, the best look for Captain America, 100%. I love the shields he gets. The battle for Wakanda is great. The stuff with the Guardians of the Galaxy is great, especially Thor and Rocket Groot going to visit uh, Peter Dinklage to get a new axe. It's all fun, and I would be remiss to not talk about how good of a villain Thanos is. Thanos feels so threatening. Whenever he was on screen, I never felt like anyone was safe around him. It just felt like at any moment he could snap and just kill anyone, and they couldn't do anything to stop it. I really thought Iron Man was going to die when he had that uh, spear through him. And the ending, man, it left the theater speechless. And it holds up. Like, Endgame, its problem is it doesn't hold up to me. Infinity War holds up upon a rewatch so much better. It feels epic in scale. It It's worthy of that floating head poster with everyone just on it. It's truly just the definition of an awesome movie. I have no qualms about no gripes whatsoever. But, yeah. Number one. So, yeah, that was uh, that was my MCU ranked 
Dial-Up Movie Club podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I want to know. I'm going to post and ask you guys what your ranking of the MCU movies is. Maybe not your whole ranking. Tell me your top five, your top three, or just your favorite. Maybe your worst, too. I'm interested to hear your worst. Do you agree with my picks? Do you like my movies? Do Do you just hate my picks? I don't know. Is Eternals your favorite? Is Infinity War your most hated? You hate Thanos? You hate fun? You hate good movies? Let me know on Twitter. I'm very interested to hear. So yeah, that's that. And next week we are kicking off Comedy Month, a whole month of all your favorite funny movies. Hopefully the guys will be back by then. And we are kicking it off with my pick of the one, the only, Kung Fu Panda. Said I don't have a live reaction right now from the guys, but hey, it shall be a fun time. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Hopper2400 and my personal YouTube channel, Pure Fission. And you can join the club by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that notification bell so you can be notified whenever new episodes are available. Also, we have merch. Go to Redbubble, hit up our merch store, look up Dial-Up Movie Club, hit our shop so you can get all of our selection. We have so much stuff, man. You should really check it out. And remember... Excelsior!